All right, in the back of the book on sanctification, page number nine, page number nine, let's jump right into this. Sanctification means to be blank and blank. Sanctification means to be clean and set apart. Clean and set apart for God's use and possession. Okay, let's keep in mind that as a Christian, we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to the Lord. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Number two, sanctification is God's blank to man's sinful nature. Solution. God's solution. And what verse for that one? Okay. That one can be used. Okay. Ephesians as well. 4. Did you have the 4, 3, and 4? 523. Correct. So all of those can be used. 1 Thessalonians 523. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 4. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. Number three, sanctification is a, a process or process, depending on however you want to say it. Okay, very good. And what verse do we have for that? Okay, that's one of them. 2 Peter 3, 18, good. And those were the only ones. Number four, how are we sanctified? By his, by his word. Yep, by the, by the word of God. And what verse was that one? John 17, 17. There's one other one you could have used. Psalm 119, 9. Psalm 119, 9 is the other one. Actually, you could have used one more as well in Hebrews. Hebrews 4.12. Yep. You know the little joke about Hebrews, right? I taught this to uh, Yasin the other day in discipleship. You've heard that one before about Hebrews? You haven't? Hebrews proves that only men should make coffee. Okay, should I move on? Especially if English wasn't your first language, you might be scratching your head right now. And that's okay. Hebrews. Yassin looked at me just for a little bit, and then you could see the light went on, and he's like, he was dying. And of course, his wife works at Starbucks, so I said, you got to share that with your wife. So, Hebrews. Okay, sorry. Uh, letter B, by our blank with Jesus Christ. How are we sanctified? Relationship. Good. And what verse with that one? This one's only one. Yep, John 15. John 15. Letter C, by the blank Holy Spirit. Indwelling Holy Spirit. And the verse for that one? You have two choices.
1 Corinthians 6.19 and 2 Corinthians 3.18. Okay. We got some more coming in. That's great. Get a book from Brother Barry. All right. Number five, we must be careful not to blank the Holy Spirit or blank his work. What is the first blank? We must be careful not to blank the Holy Spirit. Grieve, okay? And we also do not want to blank his work within us. Quench, very good. Page number 10, what are our responsibilities in sanctification? Letter A, trust God's blank purpose, and role, that's R-O-L-E, role, in the process. And what verse for that one? Philippians 1.6. Does anybody remember a little bit about, of that verse? Philippians 1.6. It says, he who began a good work in you will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. I think that's Philippians 1.6. <laughs> Great. Number, letter B, exercise what? Godliness. Very good. I heard that from somewhere. And what verse? 1 Timothy 4.7. Letter C, put off blank behavior. Unrighteous behavior and put on righteous behavior. Yeah, that's our role. And what verse for that one? Yep, I think I heard it. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24. Letter D, blank ourselves. Cleanse. Cleanse ourselves. Sorry if you're saying them in the back and I just can't hear you over the fans. 2 Corinthians 7.1. We're going to go ahead and move along here. Letter E. -E avoid sins of immorality and pursue moral purity. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. Lastly, living a godly life is always profitable in earth and in heaven. Matthew 16, 27, 1 Timothy 4, 8. So if you weren't here last week, what, we, what we're doing each week is we're teaching a lesson, and then the following week, we take the quiz together. So if, let's, let's go to the back of tonight's lesson quickly, and you'll see the, the lesson four quiz. The lesson four quiz, page number nine. And you can use your note, you can use the books to take the quiz, okay? You don't have to try to take them from memory, all right? These are open book quizzes. So this is what we're going to review next week, God willing, at the 5 o'clock when we begin, okay? This is your book. I would put your name in it because every book looks the same. And you're welcome to write in it as you, as you choose because it is obviously, as we said, it's yours. And then, of course, at the end of each lesson, there's some memory verses, and we're encouraging everyone to try to learn at least two of those verses and say you can say them to someone in the class. 
You can use whatever language is more comfortable for you to use uh, when, when learning them. Just say them to somebody who speaks that same language, okay? We believe in proper biblical tongues. Okay. <laughs> Victory over sin. Victory over sin. And the, the opening statement is quite interesting there at the top of page two, and it, it talks about how in, in our world there have been many evil rulers. There have been many dictators over the course of time. And it, it's uh, comparing those individuals to the, the, to the same level as what sin is in our life and how sin can be a ruler, how sin can be a dictator in your life and mine. And by the way, this is not a lesson to, to really to lost people. This is a lesson to, to believers and how it is so important that you and I follow the biblical pattern for victory. Do you see the little, the little logo on tonight's cover? It's the chains being broken. Every week it kind of pictures what we're talking about. And that's exactly what Satan would love to keep us chained up. But God did not come just to give us eternal life. God came to give us victorious life now. A victorious life now. It says here in the notes, sin is a tyrant. Sin has the potential to destroy. By the way, that's Satan's goal, isn't it? Satan's goal is, is complete and utter destruction, right? He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy the family. He wants to destroy the church. You know, he wants to destroy your testimony, my testimony. It's all, that's his one main goal and one main objective is destruction. And he does a really good job of it. And so we've got to be equipped. Now, we don't need to fear. Okay? We learned a lot about that this morning in relation to worry. Boy, I tell you, that was really helpful. I'm so thankful our live stream was a mess today. Not by our fault, just things happen. But we at least had the preaching. <laughs> we at least have that preaching recorded because I think I need to listen to that one again. And if you missed it, you'll want to listen to this morning's preaching on the recipe to overcome worry. Does anybody remember the acrostic? Calm, right? So if you write those three, four letters down, C-L-A-M, you've got a head start. I give you a little bit. And so anyway, so we don't need to focus on how powerful the enemy is, although we do need to know that he's powerful. We need to focus on the fact that Jesus Christ has given us the ability to have victory. Jesus Christ has equipped all of us here tonight. Every one of you here tonight that know Christ as Savior, you have every, everything you need to be victorious. And it's really yielding to the Spirit who is in you. The Spirit will lead you and the Spirit will lead me to obey this book. And victory will come. The great news is that Jesus Christ has delivered us from sin's power through the finished work of Calvary. So, uh, I really like all these lessons, of course, but I like this first thought because it, it just kind of teaches us a bit, a ground level of what is sin. And you know what? You, you may already have that figured out, but you know what? Sometimes when we're witnessing to people, 
we, we, need to, we need to have a little bit more than maybe just a basic definition, although this is pretty basic, but this maybe broadens our knowledge of really what is sin. Number one, this is really what I always typically say, is sin is a violation of God's law. A violation of God's law. 1 John 5, 17, all unrighteousness is sin. Let's, let's turn to 1 John 3 and look at this one. And if you have your Bible and would be willing to read a verse or two, that would be great when, when, when we ask. First John 3, 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. A violation of the law. And we're not speaking necessarily, although it would include the law of the land, but it's speaking about God's law. God's law which we find in God's word. We sin when we knowingly or ignorantly violate God's law. So sin is a violation of God's law. Number two, sin is missing the mark of divine perfection. All right, Romans 3.23. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago on Wednesday night, this particular verse, and even using this illustration of missing the mark. Missing the mark. Romans 3.23. If somebody finds it and wants to read it, that'd be great. Very good. Very good. The part about the missing the mark is the words come short of the glory of God. So we've all come short of the glory of God. We've all missed the mark of God's perfection. And that's what sin is. And by the way, there's, it's impossible for you and for me to hit the mark. It's not going to happen. Okay? So, but it's, it's very important that we come to that realization in our lives. In fact, that's how we, part of what brings us to getting saved is recognizing why we need to be saved in the first place. And so that is sin. Sin, number three, is described as rebellion. It's described as rebellion. Uh, if someone could read that verse, Deuteronomy 9.24. Right, you've been rebellious against the Lord. Thank you. So going against what God says. Rebellion. Basically, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do what I want to do. I mean, rebellion is as described in the Bible as what? Who knows? Witchcraft. Whew. Boy, you know, we hear that and we're like, Witchcraft, oh, I would never be involved, you know, Ouija boards and all that stuff, you know, I'm not getting anywhere near that, but, but yet God says rebellion is comparable 
And who, who, can say, who can say that they've never been rebellious? Don't even try it because then you're lying and now you're double whammy, okay? We've all had that in us because that's what sin is. It's just rebelling against God, okay? Rebellion is not just teenagers. Adults rebel too. We like to stick, we like to stick that word with teenagers, you know? But, you know, how many times have we sat in a church service or sat in a Bible study or sat in something as an adult and basically, just we're not we're just not going to do what we see clearly is in the Bible, but just not going to do it. Well, that's rebellion. So, anyway, Jeremiah five twenty three. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. A revolting and a rebellious heart. Let's go to let's go to Isaiah fourteen. At the top of page three there, it talks about Isaiah 14. So what, what was the downfall for Satan? Okay, now Satan was created by God, a created being, an angel, if you will, created by God. And his name wasn't Satan, it was Lucifer. So he was given a free will, just like you have a free will. Okay? He was, he was the top. He was um, the best of the best. But that wasn't good enough. Look at Isaiah, please, Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which, did, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, now here, here comes the listing. If you've never seen these before, pay attention to these I wills. I will ascend into the heaven. This is what Lucifer said in his heart. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. That's two. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. That's three. I will, I will, I will. Number 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. That's number four. I will be like the most high. That's number five. And that was the that was the straw that broke everything. <laughs> it wasn't just a straw. So Satan was full of Satan. Lucifer was full of Lucifer, however you want to say it. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. So this is pride and rebellion against God. And so because we see that in him, which is where it started... He wants us to be just like him. So he wants me to be prideful. He wants me to be rebellious. And uh, that's, that's his whole uh, plan to try to bring us down with him. Now, he can't bring us down to hell with him, praise the Lord. If you're saved, you are secure. We talked about that already. You're secure in the Holy Spirit. 
but he still wants to bring us down, and he can bring us down. Number four, this is a, boy, this is a tough one. Now, all of those we might look at and we might say, okay, rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, you know, I wills and all that. But notice verse number four, sin is anything that is not of what? Whoa. Faith. Not of faith. Look what it says there, Romans 14, 23. Right there in your notes. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Wow. Talk about a, talk about a uh, knuckle sandwich, spiritually speaking. That's a tough one. How many times would we be guilty of, of that? A lot. That's sin. Proverbs 3 5 is listed there. Who, want, who wants to quote it? Can somebody quote Proverbs 3 5 without looking? You can look it up if you want. First word is trust. I hear it really loud. Was that you, Brother Barry? Okay, that's the most important part, but anyway, somebody can read it. It's okay. Thank you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. So if I don't trust God, then I'm somehow thinking I'm independent of God. As it says here, to willfully to go and not trust God is willfully saying, I, I don't need God. Now, no one, I don't think anybody would really ever say that. I mean, as a Christian, I mean, there's a lot of people that would say that in the world. But, so this is all part of sin. May God help us to have greater faith Amen? May God help us to trust him more. Okay. Where does sin come from? Where does sin come from? Number one, sin comes from our heart. Mark 7.21 says, from within, from within. You know, we like to say, I'm a product of my environment. And I guess, you know, I'm not, I'm not discounting that. But this says that sin doesn't come from my surroundings. Sin comes from within me. It means I don't have to sin because the world is doing what the world does in 2023 or whatever year it is. I don't have to. I'm making a choice to. Sin, for, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts. Adulteries, you know, we, we often think about the byproduct of, of it. I mean, adultery is sin, but where did that start? Fornication is sin, murder is sin, theft is sin, all of this stuff is sin. Notice, notice, notice uh, tucked right in there, covetousness in between murders, fornication, wickedness, and adulteries. God puts covetousness in there. Means wanting something that isn't yours. I mean, we, 
there's no way, murder, I mean, you know, fornication, that's sex outside of marriage, adultery, that's having an immoral relationship with somebody who's not my spouse, uh, evil thoughts. I mean, we look at those and we think, oh, man, those are wicked, and yet God puts right in the middle of it covetousness. Again, you know, I'm not saying one might have a greater fallout than the other, but I didn't write this. <laughs> Wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye. Hey, that's not what parents give their kids when they're disobeying in church. You are allowed to give them that. My kids thought my wife had a pretty good one, I guess, at times, you know. <laughs> you just give them that eye, like, <laughs> when we get home, it's just somehow in that one little eye of looking back is relaying a message of you better behave. That's not what it's talking about. Uh, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Notice, all these evil things come from where? Within. And they defile the man. Okay, sin comes from our heart. Uh, let's look up Luke 6. I'm going to have you help me read this one. But notice the statement before that. Sin, it is natural for man to be sinful. Have you ever thought about that? It's supernatural for man to trust in God. That's supernatural. Because that doesn't come from, from me. That God gives me the ability. God gives us the ability to trust him. We don't even have to trust him in our own power. We're trusting him in the strength that he gives us in the inner man through the Holy Spirit of God. So it is natural for people, you know, you know, we, things, things are spiraling out of control, possibly, but they're not out of control with God. The point is, it's only natural for people to sin. For you, for me, this is natural. It doesn't mean it's right, it just means it's natural. Someone read, uh, please, Luke 6, 43. Okay. We don't expect a, 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 a good tree that's been pruned and it's been fertilized and it's watered and then we go out there and we pick a piece of fruit off of it. We expect it to be really tasty and vice versa. Verse number 45, who wants to read that one? Or 40, what did you just read, Jacob, 44? Okay, 44, please. Who wants to read 44? Yeah, very good, thank you. So we don't expect to go out into the thorn bush and find figs because that's not, a, that's not natural. Okay, how about verse 45? 
Thank you. Thank you all. So where does it come from? It comes from the heart. Whether it's the heart is the root of my sinful nature. And our behavior, notice these two statements. My heart is the root of our sinful nature, of my sinful nature. My behavior is the fruit of my sinful nature. So one is the root and the other is the fruit. Number two, so where did sin come from? Sin is in the heart. Number two, sin is inherited from Adam. Sin is inherited from Adam. Romans 5.12, who wants to find that one and read it? Or do your best to quote it. This is a good verse to, to memorize when we're sharing the gospel. First word is wherefore. That's why it's therefore. Yes, sir. Mm, thank you. So death passed upon how many men? All. All means all, and that's all all means. So we've inherited it. We've inherited it from Adam. What is the nature of sin? What is the nature of sin? Number one, sin is deceitful. All right, let's turn to the, the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And verse number 6. Someone want to read that one? Thank you. So it was it was desirable. It was pleasant, you know, like like I'm sure you've heard before, right? I mean, Satan doesn't show up in the pitchfork and the red suit and the pitchfork and all that and say, hey, come follow me to hell. That's not Satan. <laughs> That's not how it works. Everything that he has looks good. And it even, it even has pleasure for a season. So it was pleasant to the eyes. It was good for food. Lust of the flesh. It was pleasant to the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Now I've just lost my, my illustration from 1 John. Desired to make one wise, that's the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, lust of the spirit? No. What am I missing there? 1 John 2.15. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. There we go. Lust of the flesh, good for food. Lust of the eyes, pleasant to the eyes. Desire to make one wise is the pride of life. Say, what are you doing, pastor? Basically, you can take 
Genesis 3, 6, okay? And you can write a note beside Genesis 3, 6 in your Bible, and you can write a note and put TT, that means turn to. You don't have to do that, but I like to do things like that. And put turn to 1 John 2, 16. 1 John 2.16 and Genesis 3.6, they go together. So Satan's game is, is still the same. He's trying to use the lust of the eye, or the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So sin is deceitful. Got to keep moving here. Sin deceives us by appearing desirable. Hebrews 3.13, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, number two, sin is powerful. Psalm 19. Psalm 19. Somebody wants, when you find it, if somebody would read that one, that'd be great, please. Psalm 1913. Thank you. So notice the word dominion. It, it's another derivative of a word dominate. Brother Jose, when you watch a couple of, I don't know if, what the translation is in Spanish, but maybe it's uh, back in Pele's day, you know, for Brazil. And you would watch Brazil if you watched Brazil. And you might say, Brazil is dominating, not Argentina, of course. Brazil is dominating Mexico. Okay. It means dominating, right? You understand that? So that's what it's saying. Sin has a, a fact of dominating us, having dominion over us, because it's powerful. Yeah. And by the way, we are no match for it. We, we, we will not be able to win the match against sin on our own. It won't happen. We will be sorely, soundly and sorely defeated. I'm saying that in our, in our, in our flesh. Turn over just a few pages to Proverbs 5. Sin is powerful. You know, maybe, maybe you've heard this before, and maybe, maybe, even, maybe even you've said it before, and I'm not saying anything other than what the Lord, I'm, I'm wanting to be led by the Spirit, but I just can't stop doing this. Now, there is some truth to that, in, on one side of the coin is, you're right, because it's powerful. 
But on the other side of the coin, you can stop doing it. Because God has given us the ability to overcome. That's what we're talking about. Right now we're just talking about what is it, but uh, we want to have victory over it. Proverbs 5.22, his own iniquities, Proverbs 5.22, his own iniquities shall take the wicked himself, and he shall be holden with the cords of his sin. That word holden there is talking about basically being wrapped around with the cords. So, you know, when somebody's wrapped around with just, they, we've given, I've seen illustration before, like youth conference and things. You get wrapped around with one rope, you know, it's, you know, you can get out of that one rope, but it's talking about being holding with the cords, plural. You start getting wrapped around with several wraps of a rope around you, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, Lou Frigno, who was the original Hulk, big Hulk guy, right? Big, huge bodybuilder back in the day. You know, eventually you're not going to be able to break those. And that's exactly what this is talking about here is that he shall be holden. He will be overcome, trapped by the court. Okay, number three, sin is destructive. Sin is destructive. Isaiah 128. We're just going to read this and move on to the next part because as usual, my time is fleeting. But anyway, you have this booklet. I'm not reading all the verses, so I hope you'll take the time this week to go back and look them up. Isaiah 128, and the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together, and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed, shall be consumed. The destructiveness of sin complicates my life and the lives of those around me. So what should I do when I sin? Number one, I should acknowledge and confess my sin. Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 51, 3, who wrote Psalm 51? We just looked at it last week. Psalm 51, David, and it's his, it's his prayer of confession. Nathan has said, thou art the man. So he finally acknowledged his sin. Acknowledging my sin is agreeing with God that I am wrong. Boy, isn't that hard for us to do sometimes? I am wrong. Being honest with God about my sin requires humility, but that humility, hallelujah, brings cleansing. Number one, acknowledge and confess it. Number two, I should forsake my sins. Forsake them. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Proverbs 28, 13. So it's not so much that we say, yes, I agree with God. I confess this is wrong, this is sin, and then, you know, two days later, we're right back at it. Now that could happen, and we can still confess it again, but we're, we're, trying, we're getting to the place where we want God's help in not just acknowledging and confessing it, but forsaking it means not going back to it. Not going back to the worry that we were challenged about this morning. Not going back to whatever it may be. Okay, next page. There's your statement right there, better than I said. To forsake is to change my attitude and my actions. So it's not just, well, it's just, you know, this sin. You know, 
It's, yeah, whatever. Right? No, it's not a little sin, no matter what it is. Now, how can I have victory over sin's power? Okay? Romans 6.11. Somebody read that part to us quickly right there. Romans 6.11. Okay, so we're not from the South here tonight where they say, I reckon. That's not really what it's talking about. I reckon. Have you ever heard anybody say that? To reckon is to consider and to conclude, as it says there. So tonight, the first step in having victory over sin is to say, I can have victory over sin because God has made it possible. It's not to say, yeah, that's just what I do. It's just what I do. I think we heard that this morning, didn't we, a little bit? My grandpa did it. My grandma did it. My mom did it. My dad did it. So I do it. No. doesn't have to be that way. We can say, I know I can have victory because God's made it possible. By the way, that's a great passage to read. Romans 6, 6 through 14. I don't have time to read it tonight in this lesson, but I highly recommend you read that one several times this week. When we believe by faith that God has delivered us from the power of sin, it affects my actions and my decisions. So, first step is saying, okay, yes, I don't have to worry. I don't have to uh, be angry. I don't have to, uh, you know, have this thought. I don't have to, you know, whatever. God can, God can, or God has already provided me the means to be victorious. So we reckon that I'm dead to this. I'm dead to this. I'm no longer going to do this. Number two, by obtaining his grace, of course, his grace to free us from sin's power. Romans 5.20, but where, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Grace is a superior power over sin. Thank God for his grace. Not just saving grace, but living grace. Number three, top of page seven, by establishing disciplines in my life that will not allow sin to gain an advantage. So we don't want to exercise ourselves unto sinfulness. We want to exercise ourselves unto godliness. 1 Peter, 1 Timothy 4, 7. So look at these five. These are really good. Number one, when we exercise ourselves to godliness, number one, we control our minds. All right, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Ten five. These all these verses, these next five dots. You want to become so familiar with these verses. You want to memorize them. You want to mark them in your Bible. You want to write them on a three by five card. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm not going to check up on you this week, but you believe me, it's it's worth five pieces of three by five card to write these out and to carry them with you 
and look at them regularly. Number one, control my mind. 10.5, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Notice imaginations. Man, I wish I had time to go into that. Um, it, uh, that bringeth itself against the knowledge of God. I mean, think about it. What do we know about God? Do we know that God is faithful? Okay, then we, we, we know that. So then why are we focusing on the imagination? Don't, don't focus on the imagination. Focus on what we know about God. Do we know God loves us? You should be able to go to the Bible and show me that you know God loves you from the Bible. You should be able to go to the Bible and show me or show anyone, this is why I know God is faithful. Look what it says right here. So do some, you know, we're talking about this week, Bible reading, Bible memorization, Bible meditation, Bible study. You know, that's probably between meditation and study, probably two things that many Christians don't do a lot of. You know, if I said, you've got one minute to find the faithfulness of God in the Bible, could you find it? Say, so yes, Google. <laughs> My concordance. Okay? I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just saying uh, we're casting down imaginations because imaginations are trying to overcome what we know about God. And I think sometimes the reason why the imaginations overcome us is because we don't really know that much about God. And it's not just what we know from preaching. Really, that's, honestly, that's kind of, I mean, it's an important part, but I think what you find in your Bible time, because you do that seven times a week, I hope, at least, okay? All right, we've got to keep moving. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we're going to control our minds. Number two, we're going to separate ourselves from the ways of the world. It's also in 2 Corinthians. Chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Verse 17, wherefore come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So we're going to separate ourselves from the ways of the world. Number, number three. We're going to become a doer of God's word. Boy, this is big. James 1.22 says that we should not just be what? Hearers of the word. Okay, right now you're hearing the word. Right? This is one way to hear the word. Teaching and preaching. Reading your Bible at home. That's another way to hear the word. Listening to a podcast. Maybe you listen to Scott Pauley's podcast 10 minutes every morning be a great thing to do five days a week. He's got a great podcast. That's hearing the word. And there's others, okay? But you, you know what? You can hear the word for 160 of the 168 hours a week. You only have eight hours for sleeping all week. You sleep an hour and a half a day, an hour and a half a day, the rest of the day you're reading the Bible, reading the Bible. But if, you don't, if we don't do it, we're missing it. So become a doer of God's word. Number four. Avoid temptations that lead to sin. Don't make provision for the flesh. 
Don't make provision for the flesh. The flesh does not need your help. <laughs> the flesh does not need my help. It's already powerful. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. That's Romans 13, 14. And then, number five, just a page back, overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Powerful godliness, powerful exercises, okay? Some of you maybe do exercises, maybe you lift a little bit of weights here and there, maybe you jog a little bit, push-ups, sit-ups, praise the Lord for all those things. Obviously, keep doing them, they're good. But we need to have some spiritual exercises. And here's five that we could do every day. And have these verses written out every day and read them once a day. Just a thought. Number four, and this is really what we just said, by using the word of God as a powerful, whoop, as a powerful, thankfully it's water, as a powerful weapon to overcome sin. Hebrews 4.12, I'm not going to take the time to read it, it's right there. We've read it many times. The word of God is quick and powerful. God's word penetrates to the inner man. Maybe Brother Barry, could you get some paper towels? Maybe we'll try to, uh, just, this is just water, but the sooner we get it up, the better. Brand new carpet. God's word penetrates, thank you, Brother Barry. God's word penetrates to the inner man and prevents us from lying to ourselves as to what is going on in our life. Psalm 119.9. Anybody know that verse? Starts off with wherewithal. According to thy word. Good, good. You stepped out, Brother Dwayne. That's good. That's right. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How do, we, how do we keep our way clean? According to thy word. Verse 11, same, same chapter. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Right? Okay. Last page. Thank you, Brother Barry. Extra crown for Brother Barry. Our ignorance of truth is Satan's greatest advantage. Wow, isn't that something? Did you hear that? Our ignorance of truth. I didn't know that was in there. Now, that's not a bad thing because you come up with it and you can say that because we're searching. So keep searching. There's so much um, treasure. There's so much... Uh, wealth in that book that we're never going to exhaust it. Satan's lies, thank you, Brother Barry, Satan's lies are no match for the powerful truth of Scripture. Hallelujah. No match. People continue to engage in sin because they overestimate their power to control it and underestimate the damage it will cause. God hates sin because he fully knows how much it will limit our potential and damage our lives in so many ways. And so is the case. But we can have victory over sin.